All right, well, good morning again. I'm Eric Butterbaugh. If I haven't met you before, um, my wife Kate and I have five children, and we've been members here at Delray since 2011. And I'm thankful to be able to, to teach this morning. <clears throat> if you have a handout that we're there in the back, um, it'll help just follow along. Um, we're going to be talking about evangelizing in the family. And I kind of put there at the top of the handout. It's not a comprehensive um, definition of the family, but I thought might be kind of helpful as we're thinking about evangelism in the family. Um, I just wrote there, the family is a God-ordained mission field where we have daily opportunity and responsibility to speak and live out gospel truths in close community. And so I think as we look uh, at some of the, the passages today, um, Lord willing, uh, these tr that truth will, will, will come out. Um, and I just want to say at the outset that we're going to be talking a lot about um, evangelizing in the family, which falls to parents primarily. God's given this responsibility to parents and their families. Um, but it's not just to parents. Um, it's to all of us. So whether you're married, whether you're single, uh, whether you're divorced, widowed, it doesn't matter whether you have children or you don't have children. Evangelizing children and the youth among us, the teenagers and young adults, it's a responsibility that we, that we all have in the church. So Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3, 5, and he says that the church is the household of God. So in the church, we are a family. And so we all have a role to help parents in their primary responsibility. Um, and then, as we know, too, in our church, we, we have formal ministries, the children's ministry, the youth ministry, and then other opportunities to get to know um, some of the teens and young people in our midst are ways that we can share the gospel as a family um, here as the church. We'll start looking um, first at evangelizing children. So first, by a show of hands, how many of you heard the gospel when you were young in your home from a parent or a grandparent or somebody who was an authority in your home? A lot of people. Yeah. Amen. So there are a number of verses we have here. We won't take time to look at all of them there at the top of your list. Um, Ephesians 6, 4, Colossians 3, 20, Proverbs 1, 8, and 9, Deuteronomy 31, 12, and 13. All of these passages talk about the responsibility of parents to teach their children and the responsibility of children to heed the teaching of their parents. Um, and it also they also talk about the way parents are to teach, particularly to fathers, to not provoke or not to make their children angry, um, but to do it in a gentle way. We won't look at all of those verses, but we will look at a, at a foundational text um, that is probably familiar to many of you who are parents, but it's a great text, and I think it really hits to what evangelism in the family um, is about. So Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 7. If somebody would, would be willing to, to read that, to look that up in the scripture. Um, can I get a volunteer? Thank you. Thanks, Lydia. And um, as Lydia is turning there, <clears throat> uh, Moses is speaking here to the assembled people of Israel before Joshua leads them into the promised land. And so this is what, what Moses says. Go ahead. Walk by the light, and you lie down, and you rise. 
Amen. Thank you. So after giving this, what's called the Shema, in, uh, which is the hear word in Hebrew, hear, O Israel, he gives the first and great commandment to love God supremely with all of our heart, soul, and might. Did you catch what came in verse 6 there? What's the first command that we see there in verse 6? These words shall be on your heart. Yeah, right. The first command there that Moses says to the parents is even before they teach their children, he says, these need to be on your heart. So if you're following your outline, it's, it all starts with within your heart. And so that's the first question that we need to think of um, before evangelizing him. Is Christ and is his word, is it on our hearts? Um, as, as parents, um, is love for Christ, passion for God and his word, a joyful submission to his good ways and a desire to obey his good commands, is that what's in our heart? Because Jesus says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so it's what's in our hearts that will affect how we speak and how we approach uh, this, this task of evangelizing. So that's the first thing, it's what's in our hearts. And the second thing that we see there in verse um, seven is Moses says, you shall teach them diligently. So that's the next thing on, on the list there uh, is diligent teaching. So this is a proactive, planned, fervent evangelism of little ones. Teaching and discipling, they just don't just kind of happen without planning. Um, we'll talk here in a minute about ways that we do evangelize in very unplanned situations. But clearly, he's talking here about a diligent pursuit of what God's Word is and what the Gospel is and how we're going to um, convey that to, to our children. So we won't go into all the details. So as I said, this isn't the parenting class, although there's a big overlap today with, with parenting as we're talking about evangelizing in the family. But the, our parenting seminar that's going on right now and, and the past times it's been taught have wonderful resources on, on all the things that we're gonna talk about if you wanna go in a little bit more um, detail. But just a few things as we think about teaching diligently that have been a very big encouragement in our home and I'm sure in many other homes that are worth mentioning um, is first, um, is a, the, the concept of some sort of scriptural time as a family together, and preferably daily. A family Bible time or a family worship time is a, is a wonderful way to just have a ready-made way of diligent teaching. Um, so there have been a lot of ways as our kids have gotten older. We have four teenagers now in our home, so our Bible time looks different now than it did when they were, when they were little. Um, we're reading through Nancy Piercy's book, Total Truth, which is it's deep, but it's great on worldview, has scripture in it, and we're talking about that book. Um, obviously, schedules are a little bit difficult as, you're, as kids are older, and, but we still are trying to maintain that, that time together as a family for family um, worship and, and devotion. Um, we read J.I. Packer's Knowing God a few years ago, which is a wonderful book on not just knowing about God. We can grow up in the church and we can learn a lot about God, but that's not the same thing as, as knowing him. And, and, and by God's grace, we pray that would happen. So that's one thing. So that's one area of, of diligent teaching. Um, catechizing little ones is another way. Um, there are a number of ways. This is a question and answer thing about deep spiritual truths. It's hugely, uh, can hugely be helpful um, because we want our children to know that even before they can speak, 
and even before they can comprehend the gospel message, that they are in God's world and they were made to know and worship God. So the Bible teaches we're not born neutrally, and we know, we know that. You don't, we don't have to teach our little children to, to be selfish or ourselves to be selfish. Um, that's just that's how we, we, we're, we're born. The Bible says that we're born in sin. We're not, not neutral. So um, we want to teach, to impress on kids, even when they're very little, with these deep truths that life is about God and knowing Him and serving Him. It's not about us. Um, so reorienting a child's thoughts to be Godward is, is important, and, and catechizing is a, is, a, is a great way to do that. As they get older, Bible stories, memorizing Bible verses, learning Bible-based songs are some other practical ways. Um, I've shared this before, but it's, it's such a good quote. Matt Schmucker, elder at CHBC, when we were there years ago, he said, pack in God's word early, and God will help them unpack it later as they grow up. Um, so they are moldable clay in one sense. Um, as we'll talk later, we can't save our children, but we have great influence to bring to them truths, especially when they're, when they're young. Um, I think of music is another huge way. Music is a big part of how God um, designed us, and it's a great tool in family evangelism. So much scripture can be memorized in songs. So many truths can be, can be shared in song. Um, how many of you remember scripture songs growing up if you grew up in a Christian home? Yeah. And you could probably sing them right now and quote, and quote the verses from, from scripture songs. And it's a great joy, and I'm sure some of the parents here could share, of, of hearing a child in another room playing and all of a sudden start singing one of these songs about Christ and about who he is. Um, very, it's, just, it's an encouraging way. So singing is a key part of, of who we are, and it's what we do And when we gather as a church. It's what we're going to do in heaven. It's what the angels are doing. So music and, and truths in song are another great way for diligently teaching. Um, and just one kind of final note on, on diligently teaching. As I said, we're not born neutral, and we live in a world that is not neutral. Um, and we have a great responsibility to impress these truths at a very young age because the world around us at a very young age is impressing another, another message that's not the truth. And we don't have to look very far even in our area. At, at kindergarten age, things that are being taught to children about who they are and about how God made them, they won't say that, put it that way, but truths about gender and those things that are, are, are completely confusing. And so um, diligently teaching at a young age and pointing to, to, the, to Christ and the gospel is so key. Um, and then finally in verse 7, this is the part that's a little bit um, where we have diligent plan times, but then we've got life. Life is all about God. And so he says in verse 7, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So if you're following on the outline, you want to fill it in, you shall talk of them as you go about daily life. Um, and so this is a picture about bringing Christ, bringing his word into everything that you do in your home, when you're out at the store, when you're at the ball field, when you're in the post office, whatever, wherever you are, um, the truths of who, who God is and that, that, that Christ um, uh, is king, it, it can, be, can be applied. So the, the concept of coram deo, we live coram deo, 
It's Latin for before the face of God. So there's nothing that we do in life that's secular. Everything is, is before God and gives an opportunity, as Moses here shares, um, for bringing um, the gospel to our children. I was just thinking of a, a different ways, you know, and, and maybe you can think of some. Um, the heavens declare the glory of God. You see a beautiful sunset. The, it's been such beautiful weather and just seeing the sky and think, Lord, you painted this glorious sunset, this beautiful sky. Your word tells you that. You can bring those truths to your kids. You go to the ocean and just all the amazing things you see at the ocean um, versus uh, like uh, Jeremiah 5.22, I placed the sand as a boundary for the sea, a perpetual barrier that it cannot pass. Though the waves toss, they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot pass over it. Many, many ways to teach children that it's God who tells the waves where to stop. It's God who, does, who, who created everything. And as they get older, there's fights with siblings. There's discord um, in the home. James 4.2, you covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. And that opens the door for a gospel conversation that your heart is, is wicked and rebellious against God. And mom and dad's hearts are wicked and rebellious against God. And we need a savior. We need somebody to change our hearts and to give us hope. So these are opportunities, even in the midst of, of what might be chaos, where we can bring the gospel in. Confessing our sins to our children and our spouse, asking for forgiveness shows, shows that we need the gospel um, as well. Um, so all day long, there's opportunities in everyday situations to speak about God's truth and the mercy that we find in Christ. Um, so I've covered a lot. Let me open the floor now to you all. Any, any um, actually a question here, maybe what have been some encouragement um, from the Lord in your evangelism of young children? Um, that you'd, you'd like to share. And then, um, and then not just from parents, but if, if you're ministering to children, either through children's ministry or other contexts, um, I'd love to just hear some things that, that have, have encouraged you as you think about evangelizing young kids. Or discouragements. Go ahead. Yes. I love Jackie. the way, um, it's actually harder when I try to teach a lesson to preschool because you have almost like homiletics. You have to take this like big chunk of passage and you have to shrink it down to this very simple truth mm-hmm. that God is for them. And that's really hard for me. And ironically, it's not hard for them. They can do the same thing and it's quick for them. Mm-hmm. They'll just say this very simple truth about who the Lord is. And I'm like, the Lord has designed them to just observe the very complex world around them and understand very mm-hmm. concrete foundational things about who he is. Amen. Amen. And what's so encouraging about that, Jackie, is that we, I think, oftentimes underestimate what children are capable of and what they can. We sh- they can understand, and they may not get all the deep things, but they know who at a young age. And so that's, that's a great example of why it's so important and why Moses was so emphatic. Like, teach them diligently from young. It, that Deuteronomy 31 verse at the end was when they're supposed to read the law. He says, gather everybody, the little kids, the babies, the families, everybody to hear God's word. 
And so, yeah, God's word is powerful and, and packing it in to, to children it, for them to unpack later by God's grace is key. Now that's, that's really encouraging. Yeah, thanks. Um, I was thinking too of, of, you know, when the children were crying out and in um, the temple and Jesus, they're saying like, you hear them crying out? And he says, yeah, have you not read that out of the mouths of babes and infants, God's ordained praise? So whether you're young or you're, or you're older, God created you to worship him and to praise him. So amen. All right. Um, well, let's, any other thoughts, comments, questions on young children? Yeah. As a teacher of second graders, I've been encouraged by how there are opportunities when, um, yeah, when a student does something that's a little bit out of line, instead of just telling them, don't do that, to have, take the chance to dig deeper, like, how should the, that child be thinking about it instead of what they have been doing? So just a quick example, um, it happened once or twice that a kid in the class will joke about, oh, so-and-so loves so-and-so, like mm. making fun of them that way. And so one time I said, pause, what is love actually? Mm-hmm. Um, so making it clear to them, I don't want anyone talking that way in my class, but not just that, what is love? And I made them sit through um, 1 Corinthians 13 and thinking about right. actually we should be loving one another and that mm-hmm. means caring for each other and putting each other first and being patient and kind. Um, so yeah, I just praise the Lord for getting to teach at a Christian school where I have the opportunity to. Amen. Thank you, Jocelyn. That's such a great example of, of using a situation, bringing scripture to it, and ministering to those children and a blessing to their parents and, and to them. Thanks. That's great. Yeah. Just a, a, an observation, especially with younger children, is um, not only is there the sponge effect of being able to mm-hmm. absorb, absorb quickly and, and, and kind of get, but there's a, a conversant aspect mm-hmm. when, when you're teaching, and it just becomes very natural. The language of grace, the language mm-hmm. of, of God becomes a very natural part of speaking, and it's unfiltered. I mean, you know, not all the junk that we tend to bring into things and mm-hmm. fears. How right. do I say this to right. a, a, another adult? It's much more free-flowing, it, it, it appears. Amen. That's good. Yes? When you were talking about music and how some people need sound for mm-hmm. children, my grandpa put like many, many passages to music, and my mom has encouraged us to learn music. And so every morning when we go to school, we try and sing through a certain one however many times to learn it. And I just think that's like been God's word in my heart so well. Praise God. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's, that's fantastic. And, and like, you, like I said, I still remember songs that bring scripture back to mind. Yeah. Isaiah, one more thing. I think, like, as we think, talked, as we're thinking about like, sh- sharing truths to them, um, I think they can also not only appreciate the Bible stories, but also like, the importance of the gospel and the gospel story, and like, how significant that story is from a very young age. Absolutely. I, I got my church, Pillar Church of D.C., um, some of the, like I, some children's ministry like three or four year olds, two like two to four year olds, and after the Bible story a couple times they'll ask for like we want to hear the Jesus on the cross story. Mm, like, yeah, whatever the story yep. is, like the day yeah. they understand like that's Amen. the. Amen. Amen. And that, that's that's such a key point, Isaiah. We're not training our children to be moral. We're not just giving them truths to be moral. Right. It's to point them to Christ, to, to see their need, that they are sinners and they are headed to a destiny apart from God, punishment forever, unless by God's grace they repent and believe. So, amen. 
Well, good thoughts. Well, let's continue. Um, this next section um, titled there on your, your um, handout is Evangelizing Teens. And let me just say at the outset that the word teenager is not in the Bible. <clears throat> um, and so I just want to make it clear, I'm using this term merely as a, as a handle to explain a, a time of adolescence um, that is helpful in our, in our context. But what this isn't is what the world would say is that there's this separate subcategory of just kind of wild living for a few years. That's not what, what we mean clearly here. But I just wanted to clarify that because in the, in the biblical context, there's you're a child and then you move into adulthood. And we want to encourage the young people, the young adults here, that that's our perspective as well. So I'm just using teenager as, as that term. So on your handout, um, the first thing is and I'm taking a number of these thoughts from this book, maybe parents have read this before, um, Age of Opportunity by Paul David Tripp. Um, it, was, it just was an encouragement. I, 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 I'm reading through it and um, some of these thoughts are, are from, from, from his book. And so the first line there is, view teen years as a time of gospel opportunity on your handouts. That's the blanks there. So as I mentioned, I've been reading this book by um, Paul David Tripp and that's really the perspective of, of the whole book, is that this is a great time of life, of opportunity. Um, while the world often views teen years with dread and fear, as believers, we can look forward to the teen years with all the physical and emotional changes that they bring as a wonderful opportunity to trust the Lord and draw near to our teens as, teens as they become young adults. Um, so new challenges, new responsibilities, um, new fears, temptation in a, in a world that's rapidly opening. And for many of you um, young people here, uh, we've been there and, we, and, and, and um, are with you in, in all of this. Um, but the world is widely opening in front of, in front of them. In fact, I was just thinking it, it, it doesn't, it's just a blink of an eye from your kids pushing their little scooter down the sidewalk or swinging in the back to getting in the car and driving across town to a job or to their friends. It happens very, it happens very quickly. Um, and it's a, joyful it's a joyful time. It's something we can, we can rejoice in. Um, I was talking with a brother in Christ a number of years ago that, and maybe you can relate to this, it did feel like when, when children turned about 10 that as far as parenting, it felt like somebody hit the reset button. It just felt like there's been a shift here. There's something, something's changed. It wasn't so much a dramatic change, but it was a definite sense that there's a new era in our relationship with our children that had begun. A sense of all of a sudden they're growing up. They're developing their own worldviews and their own thoughts. Um, and it was, it kind of took me back a little bit because it felt like we have an illusion of control when our children are younger because we do so much for them. Um, but it was just a reminder that, that our job is to help raise these children. Our children belong to the Lord. They're His. Um, and so it can be an encouraging time um, when we see young people who are tender towards the Lord and the teaching that ha they've heard in, at home and in church seems to be taking root and we see signs of life. That can be a real encouragement. Um, we're thankful for some of the, the young, um, younger adults in our church who are, who are members. Um, but it can also be painful, too, when we see a heart posture um, that's pushing against the gospel truths that we faithfully impressed upon um, our kids since they were little. 
So sometimes it can feel very joyful, but, or it can bring about a sense of, of, of um, yeah, helplessness or that our control over our children's well-being is slipping away. Well, letter B there on your handout to encourage us all is that we don't have control. That's the word that goes in there. God does. And that should give us great heart. Um, this was something, this was a quote uh, from the book. I'll just read this little section that I thought was helpful in perspective of parenting. Um, and he was talking about some of the idols that can be in a parent's heart, whether it's pride or fear, but this deals with the, the, the idol of control. So he says, the goal of parenting is not to retain tight-fisted control over our children in an attempt to guarantee their safety and our sanity. Only God is able to exercise that kind of control. The goal is to be used of him to instill in our children an ever-maturing self-control through the principles of the word and to allow them to exercise ever-widening circles of choice, control, and independence. He says, I regularly work with parents who want to turn back the clock. They think that the only hope is to go back to the former days of total control. They try to treat their teenager like a little child. They end up more like jailers than parents, and they forget to minister the gospel that is the only hope in those crucial moments, crucial moments of struggle. And then he goes on further to say, I need to remember that the goal of my parenting is not to conform my children to my image, but to work so that they are conformed to the image of Christ by God's grace. My goal is not to clone my tastes, my opinions, and my habits in my children, I am not looking for my image in them. I long to see Christ's. And I thought that was a great uh, kind of summary of, of how to think about as we're, as we're, as we're raising um, older, um, older children. And it kind of ties into what um, Bryson shared last week on testimonies. Uh, you know, the goal of our testimony is not about us. It's, it's to lift up Christ. And the goal of our parenting and our evangelism to our older uh, children and teens is, is to lift up Christ, that they would see Christ in us. Um, let me take a quick pause here, just real quick, in case somebody had a question or a comment on that. Um, you know, is struggling with that control something that, that you've seen or um, has been a, a, a challenge? I can share briefly, um, I think a lot of times the motive is, is love and wanting to protect and care, especially in areas of judgment where we, we, we just are like not quite sure if, if somebody's ready for a certain level of responsibility. Um, but I think how it's responded to and how it's dealt with can either be done in the flesh or with the gospel. And I think that's something I know um, in, in my, from my perspective that, that um, um, can, can that, that harshness or a, um, yeah, a provoking um, can sometimes be, be, be a struggle. Um, but there's, but there's, there's grace, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep talking through, um, through some of those things. Um, going back to Matt Schmucker, uh, who I mentioned earlier, he's an elder at CHBC. How many of you were here for his talk on, um, on children when he spoke, yeah, on, on the fifth commandment? So one of the things that he shared, that was earlier this year, was so helpful, I found, as we think of the gospel in our, in our parenting of older, of older uh, uh, young adults in our home, is he, he said that 
when our kids are little, we start out leading them. We're in front of them. We're taking care of everything. We're kind of protecting, blocking, tackling, all of that. But as they get older in their teen years, we start adjusting our parenting to shifting to come alongside as a coach would. As they grow in independence and prepare to launch from our homes into the world, and we pray, we're praying that the Lord would help, help them unpack what we've poured into them. And then as they transition and, and they're off in the world, um, you know, in jobs or careers, we pull fully behind. They're always our children and we love them and we're gonna pray for them and encourage them, but we have a different, different perspective. And I just thought that was, very, that was a very helpful way um, for me that coming alongside with the gospel um, it doesn't mean that there aren't uh, clear lines and there aren't um, boundaries, um, but it does mean that how we address those things and how we relate um, is in a gospel, uh, in a gospel way. Um, so the teen t years and, 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 um, can, can be challenging, not just for parents, but for also for, for teenagers, um, um, where there can be, yeah, there can be, there can be uh, strife be between us. And so that's where in letter C, um, I, I put remember, the word that goes there is relationship. Remember relationship. Um, I know that I can be, and I'm sure some of you um, can also relate, we can become angry, frustrated, and demanding with our teens as they can be with, with us as parents sometimes. Um, but oftentimes it's a reflection of our own sin and desire for comfort. Like, don't bug me right now, or go to bed. Do you see what time it is? And that's usually like right before midnight. Um, <clears throat> uh, rather than taking a minute to talk without an irritated, frustrated tone in speech with the respect that we would want somebody to speak to us. Um, I, I've been convicted of that. It's a very personal example there. Um, and so I put some verses in this section, and for the sake of time, we won't go through them, but we won't read them, but just focusing on, on anger and exasperation, um, James 1, 19 and 20, and this is more from the, from as, as parents, uh, he says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, speaking of the word of God, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. And then the prodigal son's gospel heart for his wayward son, Luke 15, 20, as he's returning, as he's come to his senses and seen the love that he knew he had at home, even though he had scorned it all, Luke 15, 20 says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. We need much grace to portray the gospel by reacting with compassion for our kids when they're struggling, showing patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, and then praying fervently, praying fervently for them that the Lord would give a new birth to our children. Um, Josh Hart talked a few weeks ago about portraying the gospel, how we're to proclaim it, and then we're to portray it in our lives. And then Dan Mackett taught on prayer and evangelism, and I think um, those two things, especially as our, as our children are older, are critical things that, that how we live um, is going to have a great impact and it will either underscore the gospel words we use or will undercut them. And it's a great opportunity to move into relationship 
and to talk with our, with, with our older children about those things. Um, I was thinking of Matthew 21, 1 to 3 as a, as a, as a um, something that we wouldn't, I don't want the Lord to say about me as a parent and, and um, this, what he said of the, of, of the Pharisees who sit and the scribes, he said this, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe what they tell you, but not the works they do, for they preach but do not practice. And uh, Tripp kind of talks about this in his book, which I feel is, felt was a really good kind of little summary of this, this section on, on teens. He says, do our teenagers respect the lives we lead? Do they consider being like us part of their definition of successful living? Do they say within themselves, I live in a world where there is much wrong and much is fake, but my parents are genuine. I don't always like what they say to me or what they ask me to do, but I want to be like them. Do our teenagers look at us and see truth, love, grace, faithfulness, and hope? Do they look at us and see Christ? And again, that's, that's the goal of, 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 of parenting in this phase of life um, and something that was just really weighed on my heart and was uh, hopefully an encouragement to you as well. So let me stop there and ask a couple questions. So, and this is for anybody, for, for parents and for those of you who are in your teen years, please feel free to chime in. Um, what are some things, either when you were a teenager or if you're a teenager now, that your parents or another person who had a gospel influence in your life said or did that encouraged you in your faith? Jason, yeah. My dad was very calm. Like no matter where I went with my emotions, he was so calm. He never ever reacted, and it would calm me down. Mm. And it was such a comfort. And I deeply wish that I could be that for my kids. Um, I'm not, <laughs> but I've always, always appreciated mm. that even to this day, nothing ruffled them. My kids could be way up here, like a Amen. Well, praise God for God's grace in him to, to reflect that. Yeah. Yeah. My mom just talked to me a lot, especially in my teen years, so I started thinking about college Amen. Those are great encouragements. Yeah. yeah. I think it's been really nice for me and my siblings that our mom talks to us every night. 
Amen. Thank you. That's, yeah, very encouraging. Well, praise God for these examples. Um, you know, I can think in my life, too, very much like your dad. My dad was very calm, very kind, very understanding. Even when he had to be firm with me, I just, you know, um, his, his demeanor, I always knew that he loved me and that, that he cared for me and that I wasn't performing. I didn't have to perform to some standard. Um, whether it was grades or whatever, but that he, he loved me. And, and same with my mom. I'm, I'm very thankful for that. But I think one area where I was helped greatly was by somebody outside the home when I was in high school was um, a, a couple missionaries that were working in our high school, like Steve Hodgson and, and um, Steve Clark was our youth pastor, and then um, Lee Bennett, who worked with NAVS, uh, or, yeah, with the uh, crew, those, those brothers, God just brought in somebody else other than my parents, and I had a good relationship with my parents, but who were spiritually really able to, to disciple me and, and share things and, and lovingly rebuke me at times. Um, so I'm really thankful. I'm really thankful for that. So, amen. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, we will quickly go here as we're wrapping up to the last thing the last section, um, I wanted to share quick three thoughts and then what we'll, if for the last few minutes, we'll look at the last section. But a couple thoughts really quickly on evangelizing children and teens. And the first thing is salvation belongs to the Lord, that we cannot create Christians. We cannot make our children Christians. Um, we can sow the seed and pray and water but the Bible says, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So he's sovereign over physical and spiritual life. Our job is just to be faithful, to, to proclaim, and, and then trust the Lord of the harvest. And so this should really encourage us and drive us to pray daily for, for our children, no matter what age they are and if they've left the home and they're still not believing, to keep praying for them. Um, Secondly, we can be encouraged that God often is pleased to use the means of faithful parents, sharing the gospel with their children to save them. As I said at the beginning, m most of the hands in here went up that had heard the gospel in, in, in your home. What a blessing. Um, 2 Timothy 1.5, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. He's not saying that it was passed down genetically. He's saying that those that grandma and that mother were faithful to Deuteronomy 6, that they, they poured out the truth to young Timothy and, and now is following. Um, so that should give us encouragement as we evangelize our children, that God is often pleased to use that, the, 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 the labor. Um, and then finally, there is a warning. Um, the next generation of the church is at stake if we're unfaithful. So Judges 2.10 is a very sad verse. Um, after Joshua's death, we read this, And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work he had done for Israel. So clearly, a generation of parents 
had not passed on the truths of the gospel, the truths of, of who God is. And so um, may we be faithful and may we be encouraging one another in the church to be evangelizing in our families. Um, so the last section here, short, uh, briefly, will go through evangelizing unsaved and extended family members. So um, under this heading, um, this would include maybe somebody you don't see very often, an aunt, an uncle, or a cousin. Maybe you're going to spend time with some of them at, at Thanksgiving or over the Christmas holiday. Could be, you know, parents that might live nearby that you see occasionally, but it's, it's not people who are, who are physically under your roof. Um, and let me just ask a, a question. As you think of evangelizing that part of your family, extended family, um, what has your experience been? Has that been easy? Has that been, has that been difficult? Um, just maybe if one, one, one or two people wanted to share briefly. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, if, if my immediate family or I bring up anything regarding the Lord's Day, we immediately change the subject. Mm, yeah, yeah. No, I think, I, I find that too. I, I think um, it can be hard. I, I give in to the fear of man a lot of times because these are people that know me. They've known me since I was a little kid. Um, I, and I think sometimes too because if, if there is a general um, Christian culture that you've grown up in, to actually have deep conversations about sin and regeneration and those truths can be very, very awkward and hard. Um, and so those are just things to, to, to pray about. Um, and some may be outright hostile to attempts to, to, to evangelize them. And, and we know of, and, and you probably may know of others from other cultures who have actually literally been disowned by family and have basically considered as if they don't live anymore um, because they've because they put their faith in Christ so on that on the handout there it says don't be surprised if they're offended that's the the blank there Jesus knows the feeling so in Matthew 13 53 to 58 um, it's a passage about how Jesus came back to Nazareth his hometown um, and he was preaching in the synagogue listen to what what it says and when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So Jesus knows the feeling of those who are closest in a, in a blood relation, well, familial relation um, um, with him, uh, that, that they, they rejected him. Um, so some applications. We can pray for gospel opportunities. We're to pray without ceasing. Um, sow the seed whenever you can. Um, I think there's also other ways to share the gospel. Um, writing letters sometimes. If somebody, it's hard to talk to them face to face, sometimes you can just lay it out in a letter and, and maybe you'll get a response, maybe not, but you can be clear there and loving. Um, yeah. 
And just remember, when you are discouraged, remember who are your, this is the last blank, who your true family is. Remember who your true family is. Again, it's the church. The church is such a blessing. We're brothers and sisters, and we can um, truly be ourselves and love one another. We know one another deeply and in this spiritual family. Jesus says it wonderfully, Mark 3, 31 to 35. And his mother and his brother came, and standing outside, they called to him, they called him, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers, or your brothers and sisters, are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those who, and looking at, about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. So in Christ, we truly are a family. We're going to spend eternity together with our older brother, the Lord Jesus. He's not ashamed, Hebrews 2 says, he's not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. And that should give us hope, even when it feels like it's hard ground trying to evangelize to to extended family. But let's encourage one another, especially um, going into this Thanksgiving week. Um, If you're going to be with family, just... I'll pray, I'll close us here in prayer um, that God would just open opportunities to, to, to speak, speak the truth to them. Thank you all, and I'll close, us, I'll close us in prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your word, Lord, that's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We thank you, Lord, for the power of your word and your spirit to do what we cannot do, Lord, and that is to save sinners. We thank you for families, Lord. We thank you for um, the, the many children in this room and the parents, Lord. We need your grace, Father. We need your grace as parents to, to portray and proclaim the gospel, to show humility and to ask for forgiveness, Lord, and to point our children to Christ, that they would see Jesus is our everything. And we pray, Lord, that you would save all of our children. You'd save all the young people at Delray, that you would cause them to turn from their sins and believe in Christ. And Lord, we thank you for the many opportunities we have to encourage one another as the church family to come alongside parents through the different ministries, whether it's children or youth, or just to show kindness and love and share the gospel, uh, or whether it's as a teacher, Lord, um, in a school. Father, thank you for all these opportunities. God, we do pray um, that um, our homes would not just be a gospel light to our families, but it would be outward focused as well, that neighbors and friends who come into our home would see the love of Christ, they would hear the truth in our homes. God, we, we thank you and we love you. We do pray for this Thanksgiving week, Lord, as we gather, many are traveling, that you'd watch over us. And Lord, you would um, cause us to be bold and joyful And give us opportunities, Lord, to share the good news of Christ with extended family and other people we may be around who don't yet know you. We love you, Lord. We praise you and pray you'd help us now. Bless us as we go in to gather as your people, to sing, to pray, and to hear from you, Lord. Bless our brother Garrett as he preaches your word today. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all.